Many evangelicals are afraid that confessing the creeds might lead to a pope. The fact of the matter is that the opposite is true. The rejection of creeds and confessions leads to an even more insidious kind of popery. A kind of popery in which we have multiplied millions of little popes scurrying about the world with their own private interpretations. Interpretations adjudicated only by a magisterium of one. Welcome to the Old Time Religion Podcast. Here we explore faith, theology, and culture through a traditionalist and Anglican lens. I'm Brandon Meeks, and I want to thank you for taking the time to join me for this episode, Against Christendom. I never heard of the Apostles' Creed until I was old enough to buy liquor. The evangelical circles in which I was raised regarded creeds in the same spirit of charity with which a sow would be welcomed at the supper table. Later on, I would find that a general consensus existed which maintained that fooling around with the creeds was tantamount to flirting with the Bishop of Rome. The churches in which I was raised didn't even want to be associated with Protestants, much less Catholics. So reciting together a common faith received throughout the centuries from all corners of the evangelized world was a non-starter. The sages of my ecclesial world had consulted their oracles. They had read the prophecy charts. They saw the beast with ten horns cruising along the seven hills in his mobile. In his left hand, he held the Illuminati. In his right hand, he clutched the creeds. And since we had already taken such a hard line against dancing, the idea of hopping in the sack with the whore of Babylon was completely out of the question. So to show that we were impervious to the charms of the scarlet temptress of Rome and hating even the garments spotted by the flesh, we adopted a short anti-creedal statement. No creed but the Bible. The only other thing to which we were expected to subscribe was the sword of the Lord. And the irony of all that was completely lost on us. Now, I must say that I learned the Bible well in those churches. They excelled in teaching the stories of Scripture. In true Baptist fashion, we were immersed in the biblical narratives. Verses, chapters, and even entire books of Holy Writ were committed to memory. This, we were told, was as much preventative medicine as anything else. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against God. And I confess that this is an unquestionable good. But while many of us knew the various stories which make up the Bible, we had little understanding of how they all hung together. And though we confessed without hesitation our belief in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, we would have been hard-pressed to distinguish the various roles and significance of each person in the great drama of redemption. Despite our biblical literacy, we were largely theologically ignorant. And on any given Sunday, you could have heard enough heresy in the offertory prayer to damn a thousand worlds. Our biblicism was animated by something of a revolutionary spirit. We viewed ourselves as bursting the bonds of tired religion and casting off the shackles 
of dead tradition. But in truth, we became a law unto ourselves. To paraphrase an old Anglican wit, orthodoxy was our doxy. Heterodoxy was everyone else's doxy. And since we had roundly rejected the regulating influence of the creeds, we had to reinvent the wheel every time we came to a difficult passage of Scripture. In those days, there was no creed in evangelicalism, so every interpreter did that which was right in his own eyes. And any historic doctrine was liable to be wounded in our quest to be purely biblical, because we had become theological vigilantes. This is just the sort of individualistic doctrinal despotism from which the ancient creeds free us. The creeds are not pieces of theological tyranny. They are not paper popes. The creeds are nursing fathers and mothers that guide us and guard us. They are not the iron bars of a prison, but rather signposts along the road of faith that keep us from running headlong over the cliff. Knowing the truth makes us free, but that freedom is not without restraints. The limits of liberty lie precisely at the borders of error. In this way, the creeds keep us bridled beneath the easy yoke of Christ, freeing us from that natural tendency to stray too far from the way. Nevertheless, a word of caution is still appropriate. The word creed comes from the Latin credo, meaning I believe. To confess the creeds without faith is only to recite a litany of lies. Fighting for a creedal tradition is not the same thing as actually believing the contents of the creed and living in accordance with it. After all, the dead are quite adept at maintaining traditions. They seldom change their views. Arguing for ancient creeds without having an act of faith in their particulars is akin to a corpse making sure that everything is spelled correctly on his tombstone. So take care when you recite the creeds to seal your I believe with a full-throated amen. The creeds are not scripture. Without the word of life, they are but bones. But when they are touched by the breath of God, those bones are invigorated. What was but a skeletal structure is now covered over with the living sinews of Scripture. By the power of the Spirit, these bones live. And because she has a creedal backbone, the church is then able to stand upon her feet as an exceeding great army. The creeds serve as an outline of the faith. They lay out the non-negotiables of Christianity. Every Christian believes more than what is contained in the creeds, but no Christian can believe less. They transcend denominational boundaries. They belong to the whole household of God. They supply the entire church with a ready answer to the question, what do Christians believe? The creeds stand as landmarks of the faith, hewn from the rock of Holy Scripture, fashioned from the memorial stones of redemptive history, chiseled and defined through controversy, and polished in prayer. They remind us that we have received the faith. We did not achieve it, and we receive it as a sacred trust, a gift passed down, 
and a legacy to pass on. To that end, over the next several weeks, we will explore the Apostles' Creed together as we get back to the true roots of the old-time religion. Mm-hmm.